0: You're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to abidechurchfl.com and enjoy today's message.
1: Um, as we prepare, I just want to say, man, it's an honor to have you. Uh, this is the third time that we've had Eric come, and it's just always been an honor. I remember 2018, uh, it was a, a difficult time in our lives, and um, my wife sent me to go to Jesus Conference in Orlando, and I was sitting in this room, massive room. And you got up, bro, and you spoke, and I texted him off. I said, I've just heard the best message I've ever heard in my life. Many of you know, like, you get into a room, sometimes you feel like God handcrafts a message for you. And I, I remember sitting in a room, like, I don't even know if I love Jesus. Like, I was just so gripped at a heart level. So I'm thankful, bro, for what you've sown into my life, how I've received from you through your books. I encourage you that the book table would be empty as you leave. Uh, our staff, we've just, we've just consumed and received because we believe the Lord speaks through him to us. So tonight, can we just honor him as he comes and gives us the word?
2: Well, let's pray. Is that all right? Just bow your heart with me in honor and reverence to who it is who is present.
3: The God of heaven, we praise you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you. Thank you. Thank you for being so kind.
2: I'm just so grateful for your patience, Lord. Your goodness breaks open the fount of our hearts and the streams of love begin to flow. Oh, how we love you. We see in you a love we've never known and we bow our knees gladly and say, we will follow you around the world. Whatever you want from us, we choose to give it to you. So tonight, precious Holy Spirit who is here, I ask that you would cause our ears to be opened to hear and our hearts to be soft to receive. And Lord, that you would clear the mind to be able to hold attention as your word says, My son, give me your attention that you may gain understanding. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. I had a lot of different ways I felt I was going to go, and then the worship tonight just kind of solidified everything for me. It turned to Song of Solomon. <laughs>
3: Praise you, Lord.
2: Samuel Rutherford is in prison. He dies there for the gospel. And he writes something with chains on. He says, if we could prize Christ, if we could rightly prize Christ, nothing would be bitter to us. If we could rightly prize Christ, nothing would be bitter to us. This was not written on the balcony in the Bahamas with a margarita, a margarita in his hand, or something. This is this is in prison. Yeah. If we could rightly prize Christ, nothing would be bitter to us. Song of Solomon, chapter five. We sung of it tonight, but I want to point at something specific here. Verse 9, we sang it. What kind of beloved is your beloved? If you don't know what's happening here in Song of Solomon, what's going on is this book is a love exchange between a starry-eyed bride and a romantic king. What you're seeing in here is love. These two people seem to think that the entire world is a platform for their love. All that they speak about is one another. They're taken with one another. And that's what's happening here. And at this portion, she's looking for him. And she runs into these men. And these men look at her and they say, what is so special about this guy that you're looking for? And here she goes on a tangent looking at what he looks like, remembering who he is. She says first off here in verse 10, my beloved is dazzling and ruddy. What's so special about this guy that you're looking for? The world will come to the bride of Christ and say, what's so special about Jesus, the bridegroom? And you should be able to look at the world and say this, My beloved, the one that I love, is dazzling and ruddy. And you say, Eric, but what does that mean? Those, Those words don't really register in my heart as something significant. Dazzling means to be completely dazed by light. This is brightness extreme we're talking about. Why do you love him? What's so special about him? He's brightness extreme. That's why. The scripture tells us that God is light, and in him there is no darkness whatsoever. The scripture tells us that he dwells in light unapproachable. He is, like the scripture says in Proverbs 19, it says that the sun rising is like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Yeah. So you have, he is brightness. He, the sight of him dazes me. To be dazed is to temporarily lose consciousness of your surroundings. When I see him, I'm dazed. I'm temporarily unable to be affected by the things that are going on around me in my life. Maybe you've got a lot of stuff going on. If you look up, you'll be dazed, and all of that stuff just doesn't seem to matter anymore. Me and Brooke went up with, with, uh, with, with Daniel Kalinda up to the... The highest point in Georgia we were wanting to see a great sight they say it's you can see everything from up there and we get up there and it is absolutely fog <laughs> the one day we climb up the whole thing we're wasted tired I have pictures of my wife laying down on a bench she can't breathe because of how much effort it took to get up there And when we get there we can't see a thing And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm supposed to be able to see the entire world from up here, but all I can see is the cloud. And that's what it means to live inside the glory of God. He blinds you to everything else. There may be a million things going on around you, but when you enter into the cloud, all you can see is the cloud. This is what we see here. Why do you love him? He dazes me with the sight of him. He's brightness extreme. Let me just talk to you for a second about what this means. Because sometimes we hear these things about him being so amazing and so lovely. But let me just talk to you for a second about what this actually means. He is God Almighty. Light itself. You know, what? it's interesting. In the book of 1 John, the scripture says... God is light. It doesn't say God is a light as if he's one among many. It doesn't say God is the light in the sense of he's made. No, no. He is light, period. And so we see, what is it that you love about him? He has no darkness in him whatsoever. He is completely pure. He is brightness itself. This actually causes me to be dazed and understand him to be higher than all others. He is the brightest light. I mean, you think about heaven itself. It's scripture says he sets his glory. That's the radiance of his person. He sets the radiance of his brightness above the heavens. In other words, we would probably go blind if we looked into heaven right now, but there's a brightness above that brightness and it's the glory of God. Why do you love him? He's the highest thing there is. Why do you love him? Well, who is this who holds the wind in his fists and sits in bliss and gives life by kisses? Who himself is riches? This is the king of glory. He bends his knee to feed thee, bleeding he freed thee, and in needing he keeps thee. This is our Christ. You think about the things that the scripture says about him that make us recognize who he is in his heights, the brightness of what he is. The scripture tells us, That all things are his servants. I think a lot of our hearts would be at rest if we just believed that one verse. All things are his servants. Who are we talking about? We're talking about him who is brightness extreme. What is it about him that you love? All things are his servants. What is it that you love about him? The scripture says he works all things after the counsel of his own will. Why do you love him? He's brightness extreme. What does that mean? He works everything after the counsel of his own will. The scripture says his sovereignty rules over all. Why do you love him? He's brightness extreme. What does that mean? He sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases. Why do you love him? Why do you not love him? (laughs) he who is here now with us, present by the Spirit. He walks on the wind and he rides on the clouds. He makes the grass to grow and he feeds all the cows. <laughs> say, Eric, I just don't know if that's in the Bible. Well, just read a little bit more of what the scripture says in its real small, minute things that it it accents about who our God actually is. Why do you love him? Because he's brightness extreme. What does it mean? It means he measures the earth. He stretched out the sky. He laid the foundations of heaven on high. I'm trying to pull our minds up to the bright, the bright realm where he lives because when you look up there, you get dazed. Why do you love him? He dazes me. Why does, how does he daze me? Well, listen to this. He tells Job, listen to this. This is God himself. This is not a theologian. Talking. This is God describing to you the brightness that he dwells in. He tells Job that he shuts the sea in with doors and boundaries that it cannot pass. He lifts the sun in the morning and then he lights the moon at night. He paints the clouds with his fingers and he strolls in the recesses of the ocean. Can you, God walks on the bottom of the ocean. Why do you love him? He's brightness extreme. What does that mean? It means that he puts the snow in storage and he collects hail for a timed release. He's the father, the scripture says, of rain, dew, and sleet. The prophet, the prophet I think it's Zephaniah, he uh, opens his book by saying he's the maker of the storm clouds. Wow! Yeah. Why do you love him? He makes the storm clouds. Yeah. Why do you love him? The scripture says he makes lightning for the rain. I'm trying to pull our minds up and think about him who is so far beyond the limits of the natural mind that when you begin to think about him, you're dazed and you say, oh my goodness, I worship you. Yes. Yes. There's something about this sight of him that, that burns an image of him in the soul to see him as he in fact is. What if, what if, he tends to gardens that men will never see. He tells Job that he, he can tighten and loosen the constellations. The constellations, they don't move. They're, they've been this way forever, but God says, I can go like this or this. I can, tighten, I can do whatever I want with them. Do you think that he's just poetically talking about? No, no. He's displaying that he's outside of time. Yeah, yeah. He's out. Listen, God never hurries. God never sweats. He's not, he's not sitting there wondering. He's omniscient, meaning he has all knowledge. He knows everything that you know and more. <laughs> he is immutable. He's immutable, which means mutable means mutation. Like he, you can't change him. He, you can't alter him. He's a brightness that you cannot alter. Why do you love him? Because he's absolutely incredible. That's why. Why do you love him? Well, could it be that every raindrop hits its appointed target? Could it be that the scriptures are true when it says that he guides the bear with her cubs? He puts wisdom and understanding inside the hearts of men. A numberless multitude surround him, worshiping him night and day. There's a man up there and every eye is looking at him. Why do you love him? This is why. And she goes on and she says this next word. Not only is he brightness extreme, she calls him ruddy. You know what this word is? This is the word red. (laughs) That's quite a drop. He's bright and then he's red. What in the world is being spoken of here? You know blood is red. He who is the light being above all sitting in the heavens, dropped down into a body that functions by blood he, he condescended from glory into the restrictions and frailties of a human body why do you love him i've never seen anybody swoop down so low see the angels worship him because there's none higher we worship him and there's none that's went lower See, he scrapes the heights, the highest place. He's up here. And then he goes, you know what? Let me just show you what I'm like. I'm going to scrape the depths and go into hell. You can't find somebody higher. You can't find anybody lower. Why do you love him? Because he's brightness extreme. And then you know what else? Not only does I, not only am I going to put myself inside of a body that functions by the pumping of blood, but I'm going to let my creation beat the blood out of me. He didn't didn't get crucified. He gave himself to crucifixion. It's not like they ended up, oh, they got me. Oh, snap, I've got to die now. No, he gave himself over. The scripture says, nobody takes my life from me. Jesus says, I lay it down. Who's this? Yes, he holds the wind in his fists, yet he drops down and dies like this. They beat him, they mock him, they spit on him, they rip his beard out, and he chooses to do this, to display to you a love that cannot be matched. What, what is, what, what's so great about this? Remember the first things we talked about with the brightness extreme, and now you see him and he's a bleeding dream. You see, he's dazzling and ruddy. He's in the highest place And he went to the lowest place, a twisted crown of thorns, too small in size, pressed into his brow, blood flowing in his eyes. It blinds him to all but the prize. This is humility personified, the blood of God not realized. And men love things that are deified, but not a God that's crucified. But that's my God, and he comes and dies, oh, precious blood of him who loved me so. His hands are nailed, and his head hangs low, his body is broken, his back is slashed open, the splintering cross is soaked in blood. Oh, what love, and a love of me, and I see his glory when his feet are on the sea, but never such glories when they're fastened to the tree. The breath of life breathes out his ghost. A dismayed, angelic host with a naked God upon the post. He's mostly red. Come down, they said. Man's faith is dead, but God bled. God bled. God bled for sin. You say, why do you love him? Because he's brightness extreme and a bleeding dream. <laughs> Praise God. There's no one as beautiful as this. This what, what I'm speaking of here are two drastically different sides of Christ. This is called symmetry. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon once wrote of beauty, and he says, What is it about beauty that is attractive? He says, In plain understanding, beauty is seen in symmetry. You look around this room, there's symmetry everywhere because it's just a pleasing to the eye, it's attractive. God's symmetry is on this side, he's brightness extreme, and then he drops down low to be the bleeding dream, and you have this perfect balance. That's the beauty of Jesus. Yes. People say, I, he's so beautiful. What do you mean? Because sometimes we say he's so beautiful, and somebody may think he's just like a really, when he was on the earth, he was a really good looking guy, like he's Brad Pitt walking around or something. No, no, this is not, this is not what beauty means. Beauty means look at his character. Look at this nature. If a king, the king of England now, who's taking the throne now? Charles. Charles sees somebody getting, about to get beat up on the street for something they did wrong, and yet he subjects himself to die in their place. It would hit the front page of the paper, wouldn't it? Because someone so great did something so low. But yet he pales in comparison to him who dwells in light unapproachable and then drops down to take the place of rebellious, sinful mockers like us. Praise God. There is nothing like this gospel. So the next thing I want to point out here is you drop down. She goes through this whole incredible Discourse of dis- explaining what he's like. His head is like gold, his locks, his eyes, his cheeks, his lips, his hands His set with, ber- his legs are pillars, his appearance, all this stuff she says about him. And then she puts everything in a funnel and has everything come out with one final statement to summarize everything. And look at what she does. She says, His mouth is full of sweetness and he is wholly desirable. You say, what does it mean his mouth is full of sweetness? Well, it means that his mouth is where his words come from. His mouth is where his breath comes from. I remember reading Samuel Rutherford, who's actually in prison. I remember he dies there. He says, I find that the cup of Christ's suffering smells of his breath, and I'll drink it every day. He also says, every cross Christ gives you is sugared with himself. So you have the words that come from these beautiful lips that Mary loves so much. You have this breath that comes from his mouth that gives the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And then you have the kisses of God that come. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for his love is better than wine. Praise God. The sweetness that comes from his mouth. You say, Eric, what is the significance of this? The Bible says in Proverbs that a desire fulfilled is sweetness. Listen to this. A desire fulfilled, that's complete satisfaction, is sweetness. So sweetness has to do with God satisfying your soul. And she's saying everything in his mouth is sweet. His mouth is full of sweetness. There's nothing in his mouth that is not sweet. And she says this. Sometimes I'm there and I'm wanting things. How many of you know the plague of humanity is desiring stuff? The plague on the inside of your soul is the reaching for satisfactions. C.S. Lewis once wrote, Idols will always break the hearts of their worshipers. And whatever you reach for, to be satisfied, that isn't the living water, you will thirst again, and that water will make you sick. Remember God, he, in Jeremiah, He actually rebukes His people and He says to them, You've committed two evils. Now, they've done way more than two evils. But he says, I'm going to boil it down to the root. There's fruit, uh, but there's, this is the root. There's all kinds of fruits. There's all kinds of sins. But God says, I want to go down to what sin is. Yeah. Sins come forth from sin. Fruit comes forth from a root. God says, I'm going to get to the root. Here's the root. You've committed two evils. You've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. To not be satisfied with God is sin. Did you know it's an evil thing not to drink of the Lord? He says, I'm going to tell you what your problem is. You've committed two evils. You've forsaken me, the fountain of life, the fountain of living water. Then he says, you've hewn out for yourself cisterns. Cisterns that can't even hold water. C.S. Lewis also wrote, he says, if you put something before God, God will back up and let you see that that God can't fulfill you. Often we see this happening. God says, this is your problem. You don't drink of me, and now you're trying to drink other things. So sometimes the, the craving in the soul starts reaching out for this, that, the other. I need approval from this guy. I need, I need money here. I need... Th- I mean, you just fill in the blank. There's all kinds of things. I actually wrote down a whole list of different things that pop up in my own personal heart sometimes when I go to pray. The having, the need of having, the need of knowing, the need of to to recognize what I am, to remember the things that I've done, what I need, what I see, people, places, money, legacy, how I feel about things, expectations, responsibilities, ministry, all these things the soul reaches for. But she says his mouth is full of sweetness. In other words, when he speaks to me, all my desires are fulfilled. He frees me from the need to... He frees me from the need to have anything else. How? By speaking with His sweet mouth. And then sometimes you're there and you're in the midst of your day and you feel worn out and tired. And then all of a sudden, the breath of the Spirit comes upon you. How many of you have had this before? You come into a worship set like tonight and the Spirit just blows upon you. That's the breath of His mouth. It's sweet to your soul. In other words, it fulfills your desires on the inside with Himself. God is not against satisfaction. He's actually trying to offer you the highest satisfaction. My wife and I have a a, a real problem when people bash feelings. Here's the reason why. Because the scripture says here that she falls asleep in chapter 5 and he knocks and she won't answer. She doesn't want to get up. She's just satisfied with being clean. And then it says here, My beloved extended his hand through the opening and my feelings were aroused for him. The hand of the Lord represents the things that he's done in your life. I mean, if it's Christ typified, then when he reaches his hand through the the, the door and she sees his hand, she sees the nail pierced hand. And she remembers, oh, he died for me and it caused her feelings to be aroused. Here's the reason why I feel like bashing feelings is going in a wrong direction because the scripture tells us that the Lord fills you with all joy and peace in believing. The scripture tells us that he gives us peace that passes the ability to be understood. The Bible tells us that he is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Are you interested in a joy that you cannot feel? Do you want a a peace that you're not able to actually feel? You have theological (laughs) peace. I have theological joy. No, it's not about theological joy or theological peace. It's about actuality. Here's the reality. People put them, they set themselves against the experience of God when they're more loyal to their idea of God than the person of God. People set themselves against feelings because feelings are a line in the sand. Do you have it or do you not? It's easy to just put some good words together, a couple flowery statements, and then you say, this is what you believe, and I'm just... Listen, it is fact first. Then you put faith in the fact, and you will feel. This is how it is. You say, Eric, I just don't see it. Show me one letter that Paul wrote that doesn't start off with grace and Peace be unto you. He starts off with feelings. Eric, you can't feel grace. Well, have you been saved? I felt grace. Somebody says, you know, I I got saved. I didn't feel anything. You're telling me Adam's curse came off your shoulders and you didn't feel anything. You're telling me that all the sins you ever committed have been wiped away forever. And you just are like, I didn't are you kidding me? You're telling me the God of heaven and earth has set up his home in your body and you don't feel anything. Let's just talk about this for a second. Rodney Howard Brown would say it like this. Having a cup of coffee is an experience. Having a baby's an experience. Riding a roller coaster is an experience. You're going to tell me that God has set up his home in my body and I cannot experience it? Oh, I'm telling you right now, the Christian was not li- is not meant to live without exhilaration from God. And the longer he goes without it, the more he looks for others. Right. Right. Praise God, we have the Holy Ghost yeah. and a great gospel yeah. and a bridegroom who is a brightness extreme and a bleeding dream. If the things that I'm saying to you tonight about the greatness, the grandness of who your God is doesn't cause something to happen on the inside, I encourage you to, to faith, believe. Faith causes a feeling. Yes. Let's just say it like this. If this microphone was a hand grenade, okay, and it's a plastic hand grenade, you know it's not real. And I pull the pin out and I throw it up in the air, you're going to be like, ha, ha, ha. But if it's a real hand grenade and I pull the pin out and you know that it's real and I throw it up in the air, every last one of you is running out of this building because fear would grip you why because you believe something you tell me god almighty came down out of heaven it became a human being to die in your place and you believe that and it doesn't do anything to your heart i tell you that's not faith faith says oh lord I believe that you have died in my place and I surrender with joy. I remember reading John Piper said, to the degree your praise is without feeling, you diminish the one that you're praising. Maybe God just wants to fill us with real faith. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're like Eric. I don't have any feelings. I don't have any feelings, and I feel like you're right. But I don't have any feelings. This is where you start, and you say, "Oh Lord, I recognize that I need to believe these things that I'm professing with my mouth, so that they'll go through my bones." You see, you know what God esteems? Not a person who comes through and can tell you really cool visions and awesome little revelations. That's not what God. God doesn't esteem this. You know what God? God doesn't even esteem a guy who can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Is it, you know what God esteems? A man who trembles at his word. Yes. What does that mean, trembles at his word? It means when you read the Bible, you believe it and you say, Dear God. Come on. Come on. Worry is the seed of atheism. Fear is an assault on this book right here. Fear is an assault on God's character. A lot of these problems that we have as Christians go back to dusty Bibles. I'm not not here trying to rebuke anybody. I'm trying to lift up this bright person and this, this person who dropped, down so low and so when people look at you and they say what is it about him you can say he's brightness extreme and a bleeding dream and his mouth is full of sweetness and he is wholly desirable i hope this is okay maybe you've been maybe you've been around church like i have all your life and you're just kind of just you're sick of the Christian ease. You're sick of the Christian vocabulary and not a Christian experience. Yeah. See, the danger with the intimacy movement is that many people adopt the language. But there's no, there's no kisses. There's no sweet exchange. Some people come to me for counsel and my response to them is, when was your last kiss? Because I feel like a lot of our problems would vanish with a sweet morning kiss from the Lord. He kisses away competition. He kisses away condemnation. He kisses away comparison. He kisses away all this stuff that plagues the mind. Maybe what it really is, isn't that you need some type of special counseling. Maybe you just need to sit with the counselor. Maybe that's that's the problem. Maybe you just haven't yet actually quieted your heart and said, here I am, and I'm bankrupt, and I'm empty, and I'm sad, and I'm lonely, and I'm hurting, and I empty out myself to you. As David says, God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart to him. Maybe you just haven't yet become vulnerable enough to tell him the truth and say things like this, Lord, here I am, and I do not love you, but I really want to love you. I'll tell you, that's then you're on the brink. <laughs> and people think when they feel dead spiritually that they're, they're so far from God. No, no, you're on the brink because he resurrects dead people. Yeah. He's just waiting for you to admit that you're dead. In yes. that moment, you can say, Lord, my heart doesn't feel. Help me. Yeah. I promise you. I promise you. He will come in. Because he says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. I will give to you rest. That's a promise from the Lord, is it not? Have you guys ever been on a vacation? Did you ever feel rested in the vacation? Did you ever come back from a vacation and just feel like, man, I really needed time away from everything? You ever ever felt like this? There is something about the presence of the Lord that makes you feel like you took a month's vacation in just a couple of hours. That's called rest. You know what rest really is? I I think rest is Jesus saying, come to me, I'll do the rest. One of my friends likes to say it like this. The yoke of the Lord is full of helium. He says, the yoke of the Lord is a quote, non yoke. <laughs> I'll say another quote from him. He's a dear friend of mine, coming to my life recently. His name is Dane Ortland. If you haven't gotten his book, Gentle and Lowly, oof, you gotta grab it. It's a classic. He says in the book, he says, the things about you that make you cringe most make him hug you tightest. Wow. Did you know that the name Jesus means Savior, salvation? In other words, God could have named Jesus anything. Jesus could be named, Jesus could mean power, or Jesus could mean something. But what Jesus actually means is Savior, salvation, which means his very name, inside his very name, is the fact that he's attracted to the fact that you need him. That's what Savior means. If there was a superhero that had an S on his chest and his name was Savior, he's always looking for someone to save. Jesus is the Savior looking to save you, which means but he, by virtue of the fact that he is Savior, your weaknesses attract him to you. He doesn't pull away from your weakness, as, as Dane Orland would say. He doesn't hold his nose and bear it for as much as he can. He's attracted to your stench. Because he wants to wash you. And when you let him wash you, he's glorified. Yes. This is why you should run to Jesus. Because he wants to wash you and cleanse you. You know, when God speaks to Moses, this would be the last thing I say, Covington, if you can jump up there, it would be great. When God reveals himself to Moses, Moses is like, I want to know you more. I want to see your glory. What does God do? God shows him himself And he says, I am the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. Wow. And you want to know why God couldn't show or wouldn't show Moses his face? Because it was reserved for a human body one day in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ the face of God. This is why Philip looks at Jesus and then he says, just show us the Father and we'll be good. Jesus says, if you've seen me, yeah. you've seen the Father. Yeah. I am. Jesus could actually stand up and look at his disciples and say, I am the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Maybe this is why he intended to pass them on the sea. You say, what does that even mean? Because when Moses asked God to reveal him, God meant to pass By him, or God passed by. Jesus is saying, I am God. I'm going to pass by you. Scripture says to us that he established the earth on the waters. Jesus standing on the water is according to those laws. When he stands on the water, he's saying, I am God, because I build things on top of water. So I'm standing on top of the water (laughs) to declare to you who I am. The fact that he is gracious. Gracious means this. He is for you, apart from you. Wow. Does this not steal your heart? Isn't this what you need? This is what I need. I feel like I need to be saved every single day. Praise God. C.S. Lewis actually said that the Christian life is a thousand, yay, ten thousand re-enchantments with Christ. Just to see him as What he actually is wins the heart again and again. And as St. Augustine said, he has stolen my heart and he ran away to heaven with it. So Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you have shown yourself in Jesus Christ. And we worship you. And we worship you. We praise you. We glorify your name, Lord. You are good. Just do this with me. Just put your hand on your heart right now. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I need help. My heart is broken, and it's empty, and it has no power of its own. So I throw myself at your mercy, knowing that you are good. Trust you will pick me up. And I ask you now to fill my heart with love for you. Say, Jesus, help me love you, help me see you.
3: I need you. thankful for you and, and you're the thing that means the most lord i just i just love you Okay. Yeah. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all, all my praise, all my praise. You alone, I long. I just, I love to worship. You alone. More time I will give your It all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve and glory. Yeah, let's let's mean it from our hearts. You are worthy of it all. None higher, none. You are worthy of it all, not just from you, for from you are all, okay, just worthy, and to you are can I say into a my As
1: as we're in this space, we just want to make room on this first night to just do business with the Lord. And for, for us tonight, it's just about waiting and lingering, but we just want to make space for those that you're hearing the message, you're hearing the song, but your heart doesn't resonate. You're like, I don't feel that. I feel like there's just a beautiful opportunity for us tonight to respond. And maybe your heart is characterized by anxiety and fear and worry and troubled i feel like this is this is for us tonight maybe tonight you came you're like i haven't felt in years i'm tired i'm angry i'm frustrated what if tonight's the night where there's a shift where it's like that's what was but now i'm stepping into what is really quickly and then I want to make space for those that maybe you feel that. Troubled, anxious, tired, weary, cold. This is not a condemning, this is like all only opportunity because we've all been there. So Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for grace. We ask for grace. Lord, we're standing in this room in Brandon, Florida, asking you for grace. We don't want to remain the same, unchanged, dull, cold, going through the motions. Adopting language, but not living it. We thank you for grace. Father, we're believing tonight that you would mark, God, if it was, if it was even just one person, that was marked change and transformed, then it was worth it. But I just feel like there's, there's, there's many in the room that you just need to do business with the Lord. Like, well, if God wants to do it, he could just do it right here. Maybe, maybe not. When Jesus says, come to me, I, I would imagine that would look like Something. So, Father, we thank you for rest, for true rest, for peace and abiding peace, for joy. For those that have gone season, months, even years without joy, we ask you for joy. Man, I just feel like the Lord wants to lift some stuff like, I came here to learn how to habitate more. This is it. Love him. <laughs> what do you want? We thank you for the lifting off. I just feel that months, years lifting off. In Jesus' name. We ask you mercy.
0: As our staff has been fasting and praying for this week for you guys, uh, Tuesday morning at about 4 a.m., the Lord woke me up, and I had a vision of, like, these jars, like, vintage like whiskey jars almost um but they were capped they had the lids on and then i saw like a hand reach down and pull the tops off and i feel like that's what's happening right now but as eric was speaking i felt like some revelation of what some of those tops are and one of the things that he said was about the feelings i feel like there are some people in the room who people have spoken over you oh that's just emotionalism And it has put the top on your worship and tonight the lord wants to remove the lie that that's just emotionalism so that you can feel the lord again so jesus right now in the name of jesus we break the lie that that's just emotionalism and god we give ourselves to feeling you to tasting and seeing that you are good we give ourselves, God, to experiencing you like your word says we can do. We break every lie now in the name of Jesus and we remove the lid. Yeah, and even the lid of, um, you're hearing the words joy and peace and you're just, my life doesn't align with that. I read it in the word of God, but my life doesn't align with that. God, we remove that now in the name of Jesus. And we speak the grace of God for peace and joy. Not theological like Eric was saying, God, but to feel your peace and your joy in the name of Jesus. And God, we remove the cap of unbelief in the name of jesus god we believe but help our unbelief in the name of jesus lord we don't want to be like the israelites who were not permitted to the promised land because of the sin of unbelief remove the lids god remove the lids god that we may encounter you god we don't want to wait till sunday morning would you do it now lord would you start now, God? In the name of Jesus.
1: So I'm going to ask Covington to sing, I love you, Lord. And as he does, I would just ask if that's you, would you just make your way and just, just so we can pray and bless. And if you're not in that place, I pray that you would pray for those that are. This is why we're here, for the Lord to deal with us. But I, sp- I just feel like the Lord wants to do business. And it's not an exposing. It's, I feel like it's a covering. It's a covering. So Covington, would you just lead us in that for just a moment, just to break us in? We love you, Lord. We ask you for grace. Love you, Lord. As the Lord pulls, just come. And
3: I my We
1: ask you for grace To
3: worship.